where uh, the readings we're going to do during the uh, message today. Uh, so uh, I'll get those doing it uh, to come up when I call on them. So uh, yesterday, uh, during Christmas Eve, as I said, uh, Alistair and I have been uh, using the uh, verses from Isaiah. And uh, one of the focuses uh, I used also, as well as Alistair, was on the, the four names uh, used in that, uh, that verse. We had the Wonderful Counselor. We had uh, ever, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And at 6.30, I challenged uh, the congregation to consider about how do you picture Jesus? There's a way we picture him in certain seasons, like today. Um, but to go beyond that, how do we picture Jesus in our lives and around us and what he does uh, through us? Uh, and we used a little optical illusion. We looked at one of those images where you can see one thing and then some people look at it and see the other one. Ray, did you figure them out in the end? Great. <laughs> um, so we did that and I said, well, you know, Jesus is like this, but even greater, that um, you can look at him one way, and then you look again, you see again a great, wonderful thing about him. But the best way to try and see all those aspects of him is in the Bible. Okay, Reading the Bible, and just as those verses, we read about him being um, the wonderful counselor. We read about him being the mighty God, the everlasting Father. We read about him being Prince of Peace. So this morning... What I'd like to do is I'd like to do a little bit more about talking about how we view um, Jesus. And then I also want to go on and ask you about how do you respond to Jesus. Uh, so with looking at uh, how we view Jesus, I want to use an um, excerpt from a guy called Chuck Missler. And he does a little bit of a uh, storyline about who is Jesus in your life. So I'm going to read that to you. Uh, and lots of words there but you'll be able to see them on the screen. And one or two of those phrases might just catch your attention. Some of them might be new, and you might think, I wonder what that means in my life. So let me read this to you. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Well, we know he's a king. Uh, he's been called the king of the Jews on the cross that was written. He's the king of Israel, the king of all the ages. He's the king of heaven, the king of glory. He's the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you know him? I mean, do you really know him? In the Bible, we can compare him to different characters. He's a prophet before Moses. He's a priest after Meshezedek. He's a champion like Joshua. An offering in place of Isaac. A king from the line of David. A wise counselor above Solomon. He's a beloved, rejected, and exalted son like Joseph, sold as a slave in Egypt, and then uh, exalted again. And yet, he is far more. The heavens declare his glory. Take a look today, or this evening, if it's a clear night, look out there. The heavens declare his glory. He who is, who was, and who always will be. The first and the last. The alpha and the omega. He is the first fruits of them that slept. He is the I am that I am. He's a captain of the Lord's host. He was a conqueror of Jericho, not just Joshua. He is enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He is immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He 
he is impartially merciful. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the very God of very God, just like we sing in the carols at times. He is our kinsman redeemer, our avenger of blood. He is our city of refuge, our performing high priest, our personal prophet, and our reigning king. He was crucified on a cross of wood, yet he made the hill on which it stood. What held him to that cross? It wasn't the nails. It was his love for you and me. He was born of a woman so that we could be born of God. He humbled himself so that we could be lifted up. He became a servant so that we could be made co-heirs. He suffered rejection so that we could become his friends. He denied himself so that we could freely receive all things. He gave himself so that he could bless us in every way. He's available to the tempted and the tried. He blesses the young. He cleanses the lepers. He defends the feeble. He delivers the captives. He discharges the debtors. He forgives the sinners. He franchises the meek. He guards the besieged. He heals the sick. He provides strength to the weak. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He serves the unfortunate. He sympathizes and he saves. His offices are manifold. His reign is righteous. His promises are sure. His goodness is limitless. His light is matchless. His grace is sufficient. His love never changes. His mercy is everlasting. His word is enough. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He is indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's irresistible. He's invincible. The heavens of heaven, heaven of heavens cannot contain him. Man cannot explain him. The Pharisees couldn't understand him, and the learned that they couldn't they learned that they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault with him. The witnesses couldn't agree against him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. He has always been and always will be. He had no predecessor, and he will have no successor. You can't impeach him, and he isn't going to resign. His name is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Yeah. Jesus Christ is all these things. Today we celebrate his birth as a baby boy, the way God decided to make himself known to us. It's a, a lovely little excerpt uh, from Chuck Missler. And some of you I know listen to him. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that before, but it's a great one to hunt down and read. The other thing I want us to look at today is how we respond. Okay? Perhaps some of those descriptions of who Jesus is are more relatable to you than others, or some have a very personal meaning to you and your journey of faith. Perhaps there are some other phrases that, in the excerpt that you may choose to reflect upon this Christmas. Take time to Consider what it means as we look at our response to the gift of Jesus to mankind. And so to look and refine how we approach Jesus Christ this Christmas, 
Let's take a journey through the Christmas story and see how other people responded when they heard that the Messiah was born. So other than Mary and Joseph, who obviously knew that Jesus was born on that night, um, who would have been the first group chronologically to know the good news? I heard someone whisper it. Be bold. Yeah, the shepherds, of course. Uh, you know, lucky guys. Man, wish I was there. Um, so Esther, you're going to bring the reading um, from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. I think the lectern's okay. Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognise him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Thanks, Esther. So this was an unexpected and sudden news for the shepherds. So I have a deep appreciation of their response. No hesitation, no preparation, simply a heart response in hearing the good news. Now if an angel appeared to me to give me a message from God, I imagine I'd be fairly attentive and trust in his word. This Christmas, we know the story, we know the historical details, but do we respond with the same attentiveness as the shepherds? God makes himself known to us in many ways. We have his word, the Holy Bible, God's plan of redemption revealed to us. He's given us the Holy Spirit, the wonderful counselor to dwell in us, even more amazing than having an angel appear to you. The Holy Spirit prompting us through our conscience and our own spirit to what we may be called to do. We have the historical account of Jesus Christ, the historical account of his birth and his death and his resurrection. Do we respond with the enthusiasm of the shepherds or does it grow dull with hesitancy, questioning whether we really heard God right or whether we are bold enough to trust in God's word rather than our own limited understanding and power? The challenge is to remember that God brings to us a personal confrontation through his Holy Spirit, and we are to listen to him daily and attentively, rather than waiting or expecting for an angel to appear. We might get an angel to appear one time, but don't wait for that. Listen to God daily. Carrying us through the uh, Christmas story, uh, we go next chronologically. Uh, there are a couple of other people who found out about a week later. Anyone know their names? Ah, uh, well done. See why you're the minister. <laughs> yeah, Anna and Simeon. So, uh, Glennis, I think you've got that reading from Luke 
chapter 2, verses 25 to 38. The prophecy of Simeon. At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. And now the prophecy of Anna. Verse 38. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night worshipping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been ex waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Thanks, Glennis. So these two, Anna and Simeon, believed that they had heard from God that they would see the Messiah, the Saviour, come in their lifetime. They weren't prompted by angels, but by their dedication to listening to God. And when they saw the infant Jesus, they knew he was the one who had been promised. Simeon and Anna are examples of how we are to respond to God's calling today. If you read beyond the Christmas story, but continue reading each of the four Gospels in the book of Acts, you will read of how Jesus makes himself known to individuals and how they respond to him. After the busyness of Christmas, or even at some point today, take time to pause, to push aside the list of all the little things you meant to do or are going to do, and listen to what God is saying to you through the Holy Spirit. Don't be disappointed if you don't hear anything in particular for a start. If you're like me, you'll probably need to get all those little thoughts of all the list of things you have to do pushed aside again and again before you really get in a place where you can stop and really listen to God. And as you pause and listen to God, pick up the Bible. I reckon actually having a physical Bible is still better than the online Bible. It's great having an online Bible wherever you go. Um, but a physical Bible actually means it's just got one use, conversation with God, right, rather than checking Facebook and all those things. All right. So I just recommend that. If, you, if you're travelling, if you haven't got a Bible, grab one from here in church. There's some out there. You can grab even one from the pews. Uh, we want people to have Bibles. Once you listen to God again, take 
that time to listen to God again and again and again throughout the week, throughout the new year. Just as God revealed a very personal message to both Simeon and Anna 2,000 years ago, he still reveals personal messages to individual people seeking him today. It's not just a, a one uh, message fits all. We've got the universal message, but he's actually got a message for each one of you. And that's exciting news. So then we keep on moving along the Christmas story. Um, of course, if you look at lots of Christmas cards and images, sometimes it compacts it all together. But there is another group who um, know about Jesus. And which group would that be? Yeah, the wise men, the king, the magi. That's right. Um, so we have the magi from the east who take the time and effort to travel to Bethlehem to worship the newborn king. They know of the birth of Jesus through the scriptures that they had been studying for years. God makes himself known through historical records, specific prophecies that even individually point to a single person, and that is Jesus Christ. Faith, you're going to do the reading for us. Visitors from the East Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the new king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for it is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So today, we also have God's word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, just like those wise men had the prophecies and the scriptures and knew the way. And yet we find that today we have people like King Herod who go out of their way to defy God, who think they can overcome uh, what he uh, foresays. King Herod was told of the scriptures, the prophecies, Yet because the birth of the king of the kings challenged his own position in society, he believed he might have the power to change the course of God's plans. Are there corners in our lives that we don't want to let God rule over and believe that we have the ability to defy God, to change his mind or plans so that we can continue our uninterrupted lives? Or are we going to be like the wise men, use the wisdom given by God to us to look for him, both in the scriptures and in the day-to-day -day events, who knows who else might also be looking at what we do, what we say, to be drawn to that um, wonderful gift of Jesus Christ. This Christmas and into the new year, 
Are you willing to give a deeper response to God's call than you've ever done before? You'll discover God's calling first through Scripture. This is God's direct word to us. And in any other details we may pick up along the way, we should be, they should be checked out to make sure they correspond to his word. The Bible reminds us that God's plan, once Jesus rose from the dead, is the church. It's you guys. Isn't that great? He actually planned for you guys. Once Jesus resurrected, he said, ah, I think I'll get Fiona, Cody, be part of this plan. I think Kevin and Andrew, Kevin and Robin, Andrews, you know, they might be part of that plan. Each one. They might, well, maybe we'll send some people from Germany just to be here today, uh, which is wonderful. Okay? We are part of God's plan. The church, a mystery in the Old Testament that is revealed in the new, where God would draw even the Gentiles to him and we would be saved. Communion, baptism, corporate prayers and songs of worship reveal God through the body of Christ. Our job as a church is to reveal God's message to everyone. And along the way, we learn more of his master plan. And we are nurtured by being with one another as the body of Christ. Along with his word, God can also make himself known through reason and experience. There will be personal encounters and experiences throughout life where God will be making himself known to you and asking for you to respond to fulfill that relationship with him. Again, we need to check our experiences and reasonings to ensure they align with the Bible. For when you do this, the confirmation that you have heard correctly is mightily encouraging. Today we gather together because God has called us to celebrate this miraculous story of God, encountering with his creation through Jesus Christ, his son. He has given us his word and the Holy Spirit, not just to sit idly on a shelf, but for us to keep on growing in our relationship with him. Today we celebrate the offering of his son, born unto, a man, unto man to save us and give us eternal life. How will you respond to Jesus today? Let's pray. Lord God, you've made yourself known to us in so many ways. First, through your word, an amazing story. You've even given us uh, little spoiler alerts in the Old Testament so we know what's going to happen. And Lord, you've made yourself clearly known throughout this, your story, throughout your word. Help us when we are uncertain of things. Help us to understand more of it and to seek your wisdom as we read your word. And Lord, you've made us yourself known um, through our own lives, through our encounters with you, not just through the joys and successes, but also through the griefs and pains. Thank you, Lord, that you're always there. And Lord, you've made yourself known throughout creation. Uh, I pray that this, um, this coming week, that there's a few nights where the, the sky is clear, and as people look up at that full moon there at the moment and the stars, let them look toward beyond that and let them look toward you. And Lord, you also make yourself known through the church, which we are part of. So I pray, Lord, that we would be your servants and serve you and make you known to others too. In Jesus' name, amen.